RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. We're going to make an announcement today. So what we do, we're here in Waikawa Bay. So just outside of Picton, top of the South Island. A bit of an overcast, cloudy day. But this is the perfect place um, to make this announcement. And what we really want to do is launch a new party. And so it's been a while in the making, and I simply want to say we are launching a brand new party called the Leighton Baker Party. And then I'm going to tell you why. So that was Leighton Baker on social media over the weekend making his announcement that he's launching the Leighton Baker Party. Obviously, we wanted to know more, and I was able to catch up with Leighton Baker yesterday morning, the morning after he made that announcement. Now, go back to, I think, the beginning of March in a poll which showed that Leighton Baker came up, I think, at around 3% as preferred Prime Minister, and I don't think he was even on the list of options. We'll find out right now because Leighton Baker joins us. Leighton, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for making a bit of time for us this morning. I know now you're busy, or busier than you were. Oh, look, I really appreciate you having me on, Paul, and uh, interrupting the long weekend, missing mm-hmm. out and probably Eggs Benny at uh, some favourite cafe somewhere. Oh, it's tough. <laughs> it's a hard life. Okay, so... Go back to that poll first, because you mentioned that in your announcement yesterday in that uh, very nice looking jacket right at the top of the South Island near Picton. Um, You came up as, well, kind of an option for people right out of the blue. Is is that how you felt about that? Yeah, I was actually um, doing some work in my office and uh, I got a phone call and someone rang and said, mate, you got to see this. And uh, so obviously I had to go and find it on TV. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't part of any political movement at the time or doing anything. So uh, what, what it actually said to me, and I know it sounds terrible, is that people really are looking for an alternative. Uh, they want someone that is just the average Kiwi bloke uh, doing his trade that will stand up and, and speak for them. So I guess that's what instigated us saying we've actually got to do something for this election. Uh, but it's actually not that easy to start something. So we've been working on it since then and, and really only just got it across the line uh, yesterday. So when did you start um, or when did you decide, hey, we, we, we can sort of uh, work off this sort of name recognition? When, when did that process start? Well, that probably alerted us to the fact that that was probably the only asset we've got. I, I liken it a bit to Number 8 Wire. Uh, you know, New Zealand used to be called the number eight wire country, and, and that's because people were isolated. They had to use what they had in their hands. And number eight is a thick wire, but it's really malleable. Um, you know, high tensile is really quite stiff to bend, but but number eight wire is really easy to bend and make into shape. So people used it for fixing anything, and it was use what's in your hand, and that's what we've had to do because uh, I know previously people that have started parties have had to invest massive amounts of money in marketing to get a new name out there and get it across the board. And there's a name there that that poll said 3.9% of Kiwis uh, recognise. So for branding purposes, we're much better off using something that starts at 39 than trying to kick off from zero. And frankly, haven't got the finance to start from zero anyway. Okay, it's becoming a, a bit of a crowded space, depending on how closely you look at the political scene. Uh, and obviously out of what happened last year particularly, there are a lot of voices some would say they're fragmented and kind of atomized. What is your point of difference compared to the other minor parties? What is the point of difference? Do you want a long answer or a short answer? Well, we've got plenty of time. <laughs> cool. Uh, look, it's, it started off a long time ago. At the end of 21, we actually tried to get minor parties together for that very reason of having a concerted voice. 
But as time's gone on, I've actually been thinking about it and looking at it and thinking, actually, the biggest problem with New Zealand is it's actually the party politics that's destroyed the country. Because what we see at the moment in New Zealand is we have a whole lot of politicians that were never elected by anyone. They got on a party list, no one actually knows their names, and they're making decisions that control what we all do. But instead of making decisions based on what the people that, that vote ask them to do, they're doing what the party tells them. They're under control of the party whip. And, and that is why we have uh, people, a very few people with, with, a, with a very strong ideology forcing that on the rest of New Zealand, and the results are, are not good. So what we need to get back to is representative democracy. So then I looked at, well, actually, it would be better off if we just had people, really good people, standing in electorates as independents. And so they're fully committed to their um, electorate, not to a party, not under a party whip. They're committed to representing the people because that's what we actually want. Um, and then those independents, I thought, could come under an umbrella. Unfortunately, that's illegal in New Zealand. Uh, under the um, Electoral Commission, you can't be an independent and stand under an umbrella. So then the next process would be all those uh, good people as independents would have to start their own party. Um, but after the process we've gone through trying to do that, it's just it's too much work for uh, to be replicated, you know, 100 times throughout New Zealand or 67 times around New Zealand. So then... Then it came down to we need a party, but a party that's different to all the rest because this party is not about controlling, it's about supporting. And I've spoken about before, it's not from a top-down government telling people what to do. It's the government's role is actually just to support people to achieve their goals. And so what that looks like in politics is a party should be there to support those individuals of good character and um, to, to represent their electorate. So it's not telling them how to vote. Um, they'd agree on a set of principles, and, and we've laid them out quite clearly on our website, but it's actually supporting them to represent their electorate because if we get back to electorate uh, representation, we actually manage to harvest then the wisdom of the electorate to run the country, and that's where we'll have success. Because at the moment, run by a few ideologues, it, it's turning to custard. Yeah, I mean, how do you explain that it seems to be like that across the board, uh, those um, differentials between political parties seems to seem to have dissolved away and it, it seems to be in recent times. What you just described, is that what we used to have? Well, the, the problem is as people get more power, they want more power. And, and it's a little bit of an addictive drug by the look of it. And so um, the more power they get, the more they want to influence other people and control other people. And, and you've got to actually bust that cycle. And what happens is when someone has too much power or authority, then they're easily manipulated or controlled or... Um, yeah, coerced into making decisions. And then that's what we see now, where a very small group of very vocal people are controlling what happens in the whole of New Zealand. And it's to the detriment of us as a whole. So you actually got to disband that power structure if we're going to have any hope of getting through. Uh, because if all you do is replace uh, the current dictator with another one, you simply get um, a different ideology rammed down your throat. And and that doesn't work, you know. Well, I think the biggest call we have is... is to actually have some free choice, eh? Um, you know, people people say they'll give up safety for freedom, but all I think of then is, is the old caged chickens. You know, they may be safe, but they're not free. And <laughs> I don't want to be a caged chicken. And so for freedom, people have to be able to make mistakes. Um, they have to face up to personal responsibility, but then they also get to enjoy the uh, fruit of their labour. They get to enjoy um, the consequence of good decisions. And I think that makes a healthy society. Okay, October is the month. That's not too far away. Not much time to get to pull it all together, let's say. And maybe some would argue one more minor party to split the vote. 
What do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, my Facebook yesterday was join with this group, join with that group, join with the other group, uh, which is great. I don't know to see who your people are coming from, but actually it's a bit like what you're doing with RCR. What you guys are trying to do is get a message out to people that there's a whole lot of stuff going on that may possibly be linked, that uh, it may not all be coincidence, all the different things that we're seeing happen around the place. So the more people that say that message, the better, because for a couple of reasons. One, uh, every group attracts different people. So uh, of all those different parties, they do have uh, different audiences and they attract different people. But the second reason is if you have all your eggs in one basket, it's easy to be taken out. And what I've seen in politics in New Zealand is there's some pretty dirty stuff that goes on. And so I would rather have uh, a broad spread of different groups saying the same message now. And I think there's definitely a chance to consolidate before the actual election. That is definitely an option going forward. But at this stage of the election, we need more people uh, giving people hope and purpose and alternative ideas as we possibly can. Do you think the population, we use the term waking up all the time and it's getting a little overused perhaps, like many other terms, but it, it does seem to apply. Quite a few have to wake up to move to voting for you, let's say. And, you know, Fire and Fury just won an award. You're in there somewhere, I I, I see as well. Is this a race against time that can be won? Uh, Yeah, it can be won. But at the end of the day, you've got to have a crack. So what happened with that poll is that many people said they wanted us to have a crack. So we we actually have to have a crack. to honour those people that put that out there. So I've got to have a go. I'm one person. I can't change the world. It's not my role. Uh, I can simply give a message out that if it resonates with people, we can see things turn very quickly. And and it has in New Zealand politics before. So people go, that's what I want. That's what I like. Yes, that's a message that I support. And they jump on board. And that that can happen very quickly in New Zealand. You know, the old two degrees applies uh, very, very much so in this nation. So, yes, it is achievable, it's doable, but really it depends on how hungry people are for change. And if they're not, then it won't happen, and that's fine. Um, I get one vote just as much as anyone else does. Um, What seat will you be standing in? Is that part of the strategy? You've got to stand in the seat. That's going to help because otherwise it's a 5% threshold, and, and that's a big ask, right? Oh, they're both big asks. Um, yeah. I don't think an independent that hasn't been in Parliament has ever won a seat either. So I'm standing the Waimakariri. That's, um, I actually don't quite live there. I, I live at the very bottom of the Kaikoura electorate, but I'm basically two minutes from the Waimakariri, which is where I've been living and working and doing all my business for the last 30-odd years. So uh, the Waimak is the place where I'll be standing. Uh, it's a great wee area. I really love it. Good people there. So I'll be standing it, and that's what we're asking for the candidates, that they stand in the area where they feel they can make the biggest difference and really represent that area because it is about being a local representative. And I actually noticed that there's some, uh, and I should have found the names, but I've heard a couple of senior politicians saying they're not going to stand as electorate MPs, they just want to be on the list this time. And I thought that's interesting because, you know, the House only sits, I think it's 89 or 90 days a year. Uh, So if you're a list MP, Basically, it's a reasonably good ride. And, um, you know, who are you accountable, who are you responsible to? Again, it comes back, you're responsible to the party. So, again, you're controlling people rather than listening to people and representing them. And if people don't understand that's what's happening, they should be ringing alarm bells. If a senior politician doesn't want to represent anyone, they just want to have authority and power, you should be frightened. That's like giving up on the, uh, the, the fundamental mission, really, isn't it? Absolutely. 
Absolutely it is. It's, it's, it's power. You want the power without the responsibility. And that's the biggest issue we face in New Zealand. So what's the strategy to get the message out, given that I'm sure mainstream media will, well, at the very um, least minimise it <laughs> and will try and say all sorts of things about you. I'm picking, could be wrong, but I'm, you know, if, if the pattern of play stays the same, that will be what it is. How do you rise above that? Um, I think we just got to stick to our clear message. Yeah, they, they'll throw rocks. Uh, I think it was Confucius said, he who throw mud is losing ground. Um, but for us, we've got to stick to a message of what we're saying and give people hope. And I, I, Look, we travelled around previously uh, with elections. We were at a field days once and this farmer comes and he's shaking because he didn't want to say he's a farmer because he felt so demonised by the mainstream media for being a farmer those people need to be given hope that actually New Zealand doesn't have to be that way and that you should be rewarded for hard work. And our farmers, we've got some great ideas to actually take some of the pressure off the farmers because they're, they're being hammered as destroying the environment when actually if you do the math, so I think math is a pretty good science. It's reasonably easy to verify. But if you do the math, they, they produce some of the best food in the world. They do it in the most uh, environmentally friendly way. And the reality is there's enough things growing in New Zealand to sequester all the carbon we produce. So the actual math says they're doing well, and yet the rhetoric is they're destroying the place. And we've got to get past the rhetoric, get back to reality and say, these people are gold. We should value them and not demonise them. And, and that plays out across the board. You know, if you're... If you're a teacher and you're struggling or a nurse and you're struggling, they need to be valued for the contribution they bring and empowered to do what they're good at. And at the moment, they're restricted and hemmed in and controlled. And, and that's why we see a, a lack of flourishing, I believe. Too much control and not enough support. Flipping okay, so let's uh, move on to you know policies because they're important. That's how, that's how the direction is set. What are core policies of the Leighton Baker Party? What will they be? Uh, so... We've set out some key principles on our website that we're saying to all our candidates, these are the principles you've got to agree to to be part of the party. And any policy is then going to be vigorously debated and discussed because I don't feel that politicians should bring a policy and ram it through Parliament. It should be bought by the people on the front line. So that's what I'm saying. When we're talking about farming policies, it's we're actually talking to the farmers and saying, what are the things that hold you up and what are the things that need to change for you to be more successful? And, and so we're getting things like, you know, if we just had online courses or teaching on soil health so that they could um, take advantage of that. And so they don't have to pay anywhere. We don't have to do subsidies for it. It's all available for them. If, if we made available a resource so that they could evidence that actually their farms are carbon neutral already, uh, so they could equate for every single thing that grows on their farm, everything, then the math would prove they're actually doing really well. So it's practical solutions. And, and even our website, it's actually set up for people to put their ideas in there so that we harvest the good ideas and the wisdom of the people of New Zealand. It's not about a group of people controlling everything that happens. It's about enabling everyone in New Zealand to have a say and picking out the gold. So when it comes to uh, our principles, you look at teachers, it's about reducing uh, the control over them, the red tape on them. So if you empower communities to decide what's taught in their schools, it's not dictated down from Wellington, then they get a lot more freedom in it and they can actually teach that rather than spending so much time writing what they're going to teach, how they're going to teach, what they taught and how they taught it. They can actually get back to teaching. So it's the whole ethos is about empowering people to reach their potential across the board, whether it's nursing, it's farming, whether it's your firefighters, it's across the board. So, you know... Um, Part of that ethos is reducing what's happening in government, 
uh, one of the candidates we've got um, has been just mask- marking out all the different government departments, and there's 200 government departments, all of them with CEOs and managers and signwriting and officers and all the rest of it, and, and it's just too top-heavy, and every single one of those wants to control what happens underneath them. We need to flip it on the head, reduce those right down, disperse the authority and funding into regions so regions decide what works best for them. Uh, so, you know, I know, I know you after specific policy and, and there's a whole lot there that we support and, and, and would do, but actually people have got to grab the ethos of it. The actual intention behind it is empowering New Zealanders again, not controlling them. And that's, got to, that's the biggest thing. Because if all we do is set out how we're going to control the people different to how everyone else has controlled the people, we haven't changed anything. And we've just gone down the same road. We've got to, we've got to allow the people in New Zealand to have a say in what New Zealand looks like. Are there any names of candidates that um, you can you can talk about right now or mention? I've got one, though, but she just I was speaking to her last night. And she doesn't want to quite release it just yet because she's got something else going on that she thinks uh, she'd be concerned about if that had a go at her for that. So we'd give her another week or so and we'll release that one. Um, it, it is finding the right people with the right skill set because getting into Parliament's one thing, but making a change when you get there you've got to have people with that skill set to make the change. So it's people with the ability to communicate, ability to negotiate, ability to listen, and with some life experience um, so that they understand and can sort out what is true and what is false and and where they're being manipulated. So we are looking uh, for those key people, but we really want them to stand in their electorate. That's the key thing. Stand to represent people, not control. Life experience, that's an interesting one because one does get the impression that there are quite a few in there now that haven't done much in their lives, actually. Yeah, and, and the problem is the, the ideas they come out with, they haven't thought through the unintended consequence. I think it was a, a, an example of what happened in the budget where they were giving money for early childcare and the early childcare people are going, this will never work. So um, why were they developing the policy outside of the people that actually do the work? Uh, and and it's and, and without going so down, they've got the something hole, to say. I, I think it's socialism. So they've got something to say, something to show, something to dress up the window with. That's about it. Yeah, but it's like substance, doesn't it? And and it and it falls flat on its face. It's a bit like the government saying we'll build a hundred thousand houses. They had no intention of doing it. Um, to them, it was a soundbite, but it lacks integrity because they didn't produce it, they didn't do it, and they had no idea how to do it, and they still don't have no idea how to do it. They're on the same treadmill doing very little. Um, and so we actually need people that have proven they can do stuff to actually be in there to do this, do the actual work. And I think a good manager pulls out the best in the people rather than telling them what to do all the time. And, and we see that with businesses that succeed. They're actually empowering their people to use all their skill set. Yeah, that housing one that you just mentioned, I think the bit that you left off is, is they raised the hope of people who were desperate for housing, who thought there was a solution coming, then dashed them. You know, where's the humanity in that? Yeah, but but also what did they spend per square metre in those houses? By the time they built their massive infrastructure for their housing department and they had all their controls and all their project managers, what did it actually cost you and I as the taxpayer in New Zealand per square metre for that house. And I guarantee if you put all the expenses, it was probably two or three times what your average builder builds a house for. And that is the biggest problem with this government. They, they The government are waste. They waste resources. They waste tax money. They waste people. They just waste everything they touch. And I think people are waking up to that, that 
in this awesome nation of New Zealand where we're so rich in resources, we're struggling. Why? Because of so much excessive waste. Three Waters is about waste. Three Waters is simply about setting up a massive big bureaucracy, in fact, probably three or four layers of bureaucracy in between the funding and the water pipes. And a massive amount of money that gets brought into those because all they really do is authorise themselves to borrow as much money as they want from anywhere they want. They will siphon a huge amount of that off to their bureaucracies and the trickle down will get to the pipes. The same people will fix the pipes. The same pipes will be used. Nothing will change in the ground apart from the fact it's cost us a fortune more because of those bureaucracies. And that's this government. Waste, 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 waste. Great for the people uh, clipping the tickets, though, late and along the way. And, uh, you know, if they're clipping the tickets, they'll be loyal, won't they? They'll do, they'll do, well, that's they'll the fall trouble, into line. Actually, I'm just up here. My in-laws live up here in Waikawa, and we've come to, for a belated Mother's Day to see them. And I went down the marina, and it's been a while since I've been here. I couldn't believe that this, the boats have just stepped up a couple of levels in, in the, the size and the scope of the boats. And I'm just wondering how many of the wealthy people in New Zealand, not the uber-rich, but the really wealthy, are actually funded by the government um, through this, you know, their consultation process and their money for mates, how many are actually funded by us, the taxpayer? Uh, because I get a feeling it's quite a few, and that's why there's a loyalty there. Yeah. All right. So how I asked you about getting the message out before, but uh, seriously, um, what are you going to be doing? Obviously, public meetings, but there's only so many days, meetings. and you're one person, so you, you've got a, a lot of distance to get around and a lot of people to talk to. There's social media. Is that going to be a primary? Um, we, we have to use social media. Again, um, if you've tried advertising on mainstream, well, you guys have advertising on mainstream media, it's a, a massive financial uh, cost to you. And so we have to use social media and we have to use word of mouth and we have to use public meetings. Uh, those are the tools that we've got. Where we use signboards and big signboards as much as possible. Uh, we'll do whatever we can within the scope of what we have available to get the message out. Uh, but we are relying on people talking to other people. At, at the end of the day, what happens is New Zealand will get the country that they decide. And so if they're apathetic and can't be bothered and just go for the status quo, they'll get the same result. And that's their choice. That's freedom of choice. Uh, that's democracy. But if they actually want change, if, they, if they're looking at what's happening in New Zealand and go, man, it looks like a fish, it smells like a fish, it swims like a fish, I think it might be a fish, I've got to make a change. If enough New Zealanders do that, then we will get change. But it's not going to happen because I stand up or anyone else stands up by themselves. It'll only happen if the people in New Zealand realise that they're being uh, sold lemons at the moment. You more than anyone have seen all this in your face. I'm thinking of um, March last year. How desperate is the situation? How long have we got in your assessment before things really are uh, uh, irretrievable? This is, probably, this is probably the most important election, I'd say, because if the digital, well, this CDC, the central digital currency, that is going to come in. I mean, it's a given. It's around the world at the moment. They're having discussions on it. They've had discussions on it. That and simply allows more power into the hands of those people that are greedy for power. And that means more control. And more control is less choice. So really, uh, I think it's on the line, this election. We, we do actually have to have people say, what is more important to you, safety or freedom? And do, do you actually see what's happening to you? I, uh, I know this is a bit extreme, but what the heck. Um, 
you know, slavery ended in in Britain. Like, I think they voted for the end of slavery in 1833. So just two years before New Zealand signed the Declaration of Independence and only seven years before the Treaty of Waitangi. So that is why uh, when the treaty was signed, it ended slavery in New Zealand. So all the, the Māori slaves that were slaves to other Māori tribes were free because slavery had ended under British rule. My concern now is we're just getting back into slavery, but it's done by stealth and it's done by using finances and control. And if the government have absolute control, and it's not necessarily the government actually, because the financial markets aren't controlled by the government, they're controlled by the banks, and the banks are all controlled by the, the same few companies. So we're, we're actually giving ourselves into control by very few people. And if they control the currency, they'll control what you can buy, how you can buy it, where you can spend it, where you can live. And that's the outcome for us as a nation, unless we decide we don't want it. But we as a nation have to decide we don't want it. Where did the New Zealand I grew up and go? Went quick, didn't it? But I'll tell you what, it's been a while coming. So I got into politics. uh, I can't remember when it was. It was when the anti-smacking law went through, actually. And, And to me, it was... Put whether you agree with that law or not to one side, there was a citizen-initiated referenda. I think it was probably the last one we had. And it sent a real clear message to the government. I think it was nearly 90% of people that voted and said, we don't want this law. And the government said, get stuff, we're passing it anyway. That, to me, was the crossing of the line. Because in a democracy, if the people say really clearly, so it's not easy to do a citizen-initiated referenda. I think it took a year to get the signatures, a massive amount of work, and then the people clearly told the government, we don't want this. And the government said, get stuff, we're doing it anyway. That, to me, was the end of democracy. Because that was the only tool that we had as citizens to hold the government to account. The only tool. Yeah, we get elected every three years, but that was the only direct tool to control them. we got no upper house. We have no other way of restricting them. That was it. And yet they, they just totally disregarded it. So, to me, that was... That, that showed that we were under control, not democracy anymore. And that's why I've fought it so hard ever since. And, and it's just got worse and worse. I mean, that particular law, all it did was undermine authority. And here we are 20 years later, ram raids, crime through the roof, la, la, la. Well, it's, it's not a surprise. Like, it's a, it's a natural outcome of that decision. And you can apply that across the board in the decisions we've made. We've gradually eroded rights and freedoms till we get to a place now where the government turns the police on people who were peaceful protesting. That, that's ridiculous. They First, they demonise them through the media and set the police on them. And that is after they would not even talk to them. That, that's, I guess, for me, last year, that was, the, that, was the, that was the kick in the guts that in a so-called representative democracy, not one MP would come out and talk to those people there. Even though they'd seen the thousands lining the streets as the convoy went there and everything else, the thousands that were there, they turned the hoses on them, they blasted music at them, they were still peaceful, they danced in the rain, and not one MP would come out and talk to them. If that didn't say to the people of New Zealand, we no longer have a democracy, a representative democracy, then uh, I don't know what would, really. And not one of them, a year later, has apologised. So they're doubling down on that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's bizarre, isn't it? Because... we. You know, it's come out that Pfizer said they never even tested for the the thing not to actually stop transmission. So it it didn't stop transmission. The whole mandates were to stop transmission. So you couldn't go to work unless you're vaccinated, because if you weren't vaccinated, you'd transcribe it. But actually, it made no difference. So then if they had any moral fibre whatsoever, they'd come out and say, actually, we got it wrong. We were misled. We thought it stopped it. It didn't. So obviously the mandates were wrong. Telling teachers they couldn't teach, nurses they couldn't nurse, it was actually wrong because the vaccine made no difference, and we're sorry, but not one of them have. So where's the moral integrity there? 
if, if you make a mistake, say sorry at least for crying out loud. I mean, that day, the, the last day of it, um, there was a guy on the sideline called Rob, and he was in a wheelchair, and, and I'd spoken to him earlier, and he, he was fit and healthy. He, said, he looked at me and said, I was fitter and healthier than you, which is not a high standard I might put out, but, um, okay. you know, he's yeah, fitter and healthier than you. And, and he said, and, and now look at me, I'm here. And he said, and the kick in the guts was he went to his wife's support meeting and they said to her, looking at him in a wheelchair after taking it, and they said to her, you still got to get the next one, we don't care. That's what the mandates did to people. It was nonsensical, irrational, but even after all of that, they haven't apologised. And so that's why I know there's so many people still standing up and saying this is wrong because it's people like Rob and other people I've met who have paid the mass biggest price for what the government did wrong. We all know people. We all know yeah. people. That's the yeah, thing. Absolutely. We all know them. Um, last question. Over the weekend, we found out in the King's Honours that Jacinda Ardern is now a dame. That was not too long after Ashley Bloomfield became a sir. It's right in our face, man. Yeah, um, I, uh, I guess I'm in politics. If you care for how I answer politically, I wasn't overly excited by it. I would assume that someone that gets recognition for services to the community should have made the community a better place. Um, and I don't think there's any evidence of that. Um, okay. And so I guess I'm a bit insulted by it because I think, man, I know a whole lot of people that are in a whole lot better than that in their community. Um, you know, is Mike, is Mike King, is he a dame or a knight? You know, there's a guy that makes a difference in his community. Uh, that's the sort of people we need to be respecting and honouring, not people that have used the authority to control and manipulate people, harm people, and then run away without apologising. That That is not good leadership, um, and it shouldn't be recognised. And there are plenty of people in the comments saying she deserved it. So that's the, the job that needs to be done. You've got a lot of persuasion to do. <laughs> Let me put hey, it that look, way. And that's, that's, that's freedom. You're allowed your opinion. Absolutely. But And here's the kicker for us as New Zealanders. The government wants to control what's happened in social media and free of speech. The issue there is then we can't have these honest debates. We can't debate things. And that's what's happened for me over the last three years, um, watching what's happened. If you if you want to um, challenge, say, the climate scientist, you're a climate denier. If you want to challenge what's happening with the vaccine, you're an anti-vaxxer. Um, if you want to challenge what's happening with co-governance or the treaty, then uh, you're a racist. And, and it goes on and on. So instead of engaging in dialogue and saying, okay, what's your point? What's our point? How do we find a, a central place? They demonise anyone that disagrees with them. And, you know, and, and some people... There's people on both sides of the argument. So the people that support uh, what the government's doing will go, that's right, they are. But they don't realise that if they're ever on the other side, that same tactic will be used against them. So for society to flourish, we have to hear both sides. And, um, and one of the biggest things is not just hear both sides, but presented equally. And I believe that's where mainstream media really let the people down because they don't present both sides equally. They'll have a really heavy emphasis on one bit and they'll, they may put a slight argument the other way, but it's definitely not an equal representation of both sides. And, uh, you know, mainstream media are meant to be the fourth estate. Their role is meant to be hold, hold the government to account. And it seems to a lot of us in New Zealand, actually the majority, I think, uh, by the stats, don't trust mainstream media. We're seeing that they're no longer doing, they're no longer fulfilling their role and yet they are directly and indirectly funded by us, the taxpayer, through the government. That That is wrong. Um, there cannot be a fourth estate when they're funded by the government. 
We're going to be really interested to watch how you do, Leighton, and how it all sort of rolls out. And um, I'm sure we'll chat again in the time oh. before October. But uh, really interesting move. And uh, next preferred Prime Minister poll, what are we <laughs> going to see? Going well, to- I, I don't know if they'd put it up again. I think it was a mistake. I noticed the day after Radio New Zealand dropped us right off it again. Um, they, they, they sort of cut and paste us off. So, you know, um, yeah. it's not an even playing field. But reality is we'll do our very best. And how people vote is up to them. I get one vote. They get one vote. Um, there's an exam on the 14th of October and it's pass and fail. We'll see how we get on. All right. Thanks for your time. And uh, we'll be watching and uh, looking forward to our next chat sometime soon. Awesome, Paul. Nice chatting to you, mate. Leighton Baker on Reality Check Radio. I recorded that interview with him yesterday morning. Feel free to comment on that. 2057 for the text. Inbox at realitycheck.radio for email. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.